Hey, Mike, where'd you get these endless summer movie tickets from? Whoa, I love those. That's from my endless summer box set. Ooh, where'd you get that from? The link is in the show notes, baby. Went down to Wyoming Bay. What a fantastic sunny day. Boys and girls hanging around. Surfers going up and down. That's when I cut my way. Knew what to do. Surf that way right to the shore. And it's dreams come true. Hey everybody, welcome to the Quivercast. I am Mike, your host. Let's get into the show. All right. Thanks for coming back today. We have Love Hodel. How are you doing, Love? I'm doing good. Thank you so much. You're doing good. All awesome. Well. How about you? I'm staying healthy. How are you guys do? How's the family? Everyone healthy? Good. Yeah, everybody's healthy. The world has been going by super fast. Oh, really? Just, yeah, when it rains, it pours. It's been happening. And my wife's good business is flourishing. She needs my help oh, as okay. soon as possible, that lady. So all is well, though. Haven surfing a lot and riding dirt bike and, you know. Not enough hours like, in the day? Not enough hours in the day at all. And soon, when you, we get older, I don't even want to say older, but the older we get, for some reason, the more issues and responsibilities we have, it sucks. I know. Yeah, I get to. <laughs> With that being said, we're going to do a little disclaimer, everybody. Today, we may be talking about some serious issues. So, if there's any like young kids or anything, you don't want them to hear anything, or you want to listen first, you might want to. Because Love has some um, family history we're going to discuss. That goes yep, we're going to dive, kind of gnarly. Going to dive a little deep. So, anybody who has sensitive ears or thoughts, I'll do my best to... Uh not break break the boundaries or or break your eardrums <laughs> no i mean it's all been it's kind of already been out there so let's go let's go yeah. backwards like um it's wide, wide open you know it's like public domain information for the most part you know yeah i actually googled it this afternoon just to like refresh my memory mm-hmm. so interviewing last time i found out that your grandfather was kind of, i don't know how would you describe your grandfather You've never you've never met, right? No, so I never had the pleasure, unpleasure of meeting him. I've only met him through my mom's conversations with me, yeah. and then a lot of letters that she showed me. Yes, and then oh yeah, so the stories and the letters and the conversations from her or like my sister, right? Is kind of the only information that I have. So it's not like I can personally say firsthand knowledge of who and how he was, but yeah. There's a deeper side to it, which goes into on paper of who he was and what he did and how he was. So it's on paper. There's evidence about a lot of a, a lot of who he is and who he was and what he's done. So, what's your grandfather's name? The grandpa's name is George Hodel, notoriously known as Doctor George Hodel. Right, and he in the early LA kind of history. That was the 40s, I think. Yeah, the 40s, 50s. Yeah, 40s, 50s. He kind of was a prominent doctor in Los Angeles. He was. He was. Uh, he had 13 doctoral degrees. Wow. 
Um, I know, right? And Crazy. I believe he graduated college when he was 15. 15 or 16, he graduated from college. He was a full child prodigy, you know, an amazing uh, pianist. So it's just really smart. He had a higher IQ than Albert Einstein. Wow. So he was, you know, beyond the genius status. You might seem wacko to other people, but I think he might even do some wacko things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which we're pretty sure he did, right? So all I know from my mom and then, and then later on through evidential uh, articles and detective work, which was all done by my, my uncle, actually. Right, his son. So my uncle never believed any of the information my mom shared with him because she thought my mom was nuts. But my mom was nuts because of the things that her dad and my grandfather, Dr. George Hodel, did to her and how he treated her and how he nurtured her. Mm-hmm. And it's really alarming to tell you the truth. I'll skip forward and I'll yeah. tell you the most notorious thing that Dr. George was known for was his back then in the 50s. Yeah possible involvement with a famous murder which was done in in california and hollywood um which became the really uh famous murder mystery called the black dahlia murder mystery yes yes yeah of course he was her treating physician ironically and the girl's name was actually elizabeth short and since he was a treating physician as the courts and police department do their due diligence they have to pull in possible suspects, right? Yes. So he's a physician. He sees her a lot. So they pull him in. And, of course, you know, he gives his testimony. And they're like, okay, thank you, George. Aloha. See you later. Even though they had sneaky suspicions, you know, like, huh. Just the way everything was done. And the, la- the way the lady was murdered was she was cut in half perfectly and missed every major organ and all of her blood was drained from her body, and she was placed out on the streets in a very artistic art form. Yeah. Um, not many people can do that back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't do it. <laughs> no. No. So that had to have been a, prof- a profession. A, a, a right? trained a person. Yeah, a trained person. So, so, geez, there's so much to the story. So, ironically, my mom said she was in the house the night Elizabeth Short was at there and my mom assumed what's all the noise down below but she kind of also wrote it off with oh dad's having another one of his elaborate parties yeah and friends over being loud and being crazy right boom the next day you know front page of LA Times and probably the San Francisco Chronicles you know body found cut in half yada 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 crazy murder crazy murder crazy Crazy murder. So he was brought in for questioning and uh, released, acquitted of any possible charges or anything related with it. And then years later, his own son, my uncle, he became an LAPD uh, detective. Mm -hmm. Of course, going through their uh, rookie ranks, and then he became a detective. And then he had like a somewhat of a decent relationship with his dad. His dad dies. When his dad dies, the widow gives him, uh, so to speak, a box full of belongings, letters, okay. clippings, yeah. yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So he's going through everything at his home and his residence in California. And my uncle starts kind of clicking, like, wait a minute, why does, why do I have all these clippings of the murder? 
why does he have all these pictures of this Elizabeth Short person who actually looks dead but made up, you know, like taxidermy. Wow. You know, done all, all pretty and stuff, eyes closed, etc., but still has that faint somebody's not living there look. Yeah. And he just started his investigative mind and started digging into the archives down below in the vaults, you know, yeah. at the LAPD. And sure enough, there was recordings found with the DA talking to my grandpa as well as the PD talked to my grandpa. Apparently his house got bugged and might. Mm -hmm. So anything that was going on during that hot time, they were getting word on. And there was information in their audio audio recordings, which were clipped from court, basically him saying, so what if I did it? Nobody can prove anything. Anybody who could prove anything is all dead. Wow. So he admitted it in that aspect and then became the DNA, which was stricken from court. So then there was DNA from Grandpa as well as Elizabeth Short then being together the night before of this infamous murder. And all the dots started connecting and the letters he was reading and a lot of the audio he was coming across and communicating with other people that were in close relationship with Grandpa that he in fact did commit that crime and possibly dozens other in the, along the West Coast. Wow. Yeah. So to add to the story, so this, is, this all happens. Of course, my mom feels vindication, but she has no vindication because she was kicked out of the family from a very young age because she went to court by accidently. By accident, what I mean is she told her uh, uh, friends, like say she's hanging out with her friends, oh, what do you and your dad do? Um, or what did you do today or last night? Whatever, however the conversation came about. And she said, oh, you know, my dad, uh, you know, he touched me here and he taught me about, you know, uh, 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 touching in private places among your father is going to be like one of the greatest gifts you could ever get. So he started training her and nurturing her into basically uh, into having sexual relation with him and also some of the high elite people that he hung out with. Of course it's wrong, but when she looked at him as such a revered, powerful figure, a doctor, um, and well-known within the entire community of professionals in, in, in the medical field, in the Hollywood world, whatever dad said must be what it should be, right? Yeah. So she didn't know better at that time, at that young age, looking at her father to being like this amazing human being, that it was wrong. That's all she, that's all she knew, and she was kind of like kept a little bit... Uh, sheltered a little bit from the outside world somewhat, you know, when mm -hmm. she was younger, so that's all she knew. So she ended up talking to a friend one day and, and said, oh, yeah, we do this. And the young girl told her parents, saying, hell, that's, you can't do that. That's wrong. Yeah. So the word got out, so the police got involved and then became a court trial. She was taken up from custody and put into the state of California care during this trial. Okay. Basically was told... You're crazy. You know, my mom was told she's crazy because dad was too powerful. He knew too many people in the in that 
community of the departments and the DA. You know, he had them in his pocket because of bad things. And they had him in his pocket or in their pockets because of bad things. So one day article says, you know, George Hodel incest trial. And then one day, I don't know how much later, a few weeks later, a month later, uh, uh, Dr. George Hodel's daughter lying slut. This is the front page of the newspaper. That's insane. So it's insane. So that brings me to the point of when I said she was stricken from the family. Basically, he said, okay, you're out. Yeah. You know, I'm not helping you with anything. And she also knew, oh, my gosh, this guy is so mad at me. I swear he wants to kill me. And she started basically going on run from the age of 14-ish, constantly running, runaways, getting caught by the PD, getting arrested, brought home, going to detention homes, et cetera, et cetera. But she was kind of trying to save her life, you know, Mm -hmm. from somebody who probably would like to control her more and probably tell her she's crazy or maybe wipe her off the face of this earth. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So your poor mom was basically tortured as a, as a young child. As, As a young teen. She, mom was tortured. You know, I was in L.A. a few years ago just before this whole COVID bullshit. And okay. we were in, in L.A. and we actually visited her old house that she grew up at, which was a really famous house Yes, uh, made by the great uh, home uh, designer uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, I believe it is. Yeah. And so we got this opportunity to go to this house. The people wanted, you know, to have the Hodels come visit it because it was such a famous house by, owned by George Hodel. So we went there, and my mom always told me, if you ever go there on the lower part of the stairs is the, where the basement was, where he had a bunch of rooms, which, and she considered those rooms torture rooms, uh, in layman words, sex rooms, it's um, like a labyrinth, like a labyrinth of rooms that actually went underneath the streets of LA. Um, It didn't tunnel all the way throughout, but it did drift underneath some of the street on Franklin Avenue Mm -hmm. where the house was at. And um, the first thing I do is I greet the people, say hello, I shook their hand, and then I just took off. (laughs) Like I'm not even, I'm not talking to you. I want to go see where this is. So I walked down the stairs and sure enough at the bottom of the stairs, just there was a little bit of a room at the bottom Mm -hmm. and fresh, painted nice walls where it shouldn't be ending it should not stop where it stops so i started banging on the walls and sure enough they're hollow so it's just drywall that was put up but i it was all closed off so i couldn't go find those quote unquote rooms mom was talking about wow wow exactly but there was a movie that was made yes and in the movie in one of the scenes i forget what episode uh where they filmed the uh, fictional version of my sister almost getting murdered, right? Okay. My sister, you know, and had to uh, scream and ran for her life. That never happened, but... Yes, yes. I'm sharing that with you because there was a room down there that was almost exactly to the T as mom explained it. Wow. And and that TV show is I Am the Night, right? It was a TBS show? The name of the TV show is I Am the Night, and it is on TNT. But it's it was, pretty fictional. It's extremely fictional. The first episode is about 90% spot on. Okay. It starts off fairly true and 
how my mom had to give up her daughter. Oh, that which is another story, dude. Oh my gosh. So yeah, you know, mom always thought there's a possibility that George is the one who got my mom pregnant. My mm-hmm. mom's, you know, my grandpa. Um, mom still believed that to the day she passed, and I don't know why I believe what she says. You know the story she told me about that, but anyway. Um, she had to give up the baby for adoption because her dad wouldn't um, accept guardianship because she was underage. So she was forced into giving her firstborn to adoption. That was actually her dad's kid. That's what I think. That's what mom thinks. That's what a few people think. She would kind of know, I think. <laughs> I think she would know, right? Yeah, right. I think she would know, but mom was always told to be and taught to be crazy mm-hmm. how fucking crazy excuse my language how crazy would you be if you were tortured and nurtured to live in a weird wicked societal life with it with this you I know, don't know a psychopath yeah no i, I wouldn't want to know she, yeah we wouldn't want to know only she would know yeah. and she Sounded crazy, of course, mm-hmm. telling elaborate stories and things that could happen because back then, oh my gosh, Dr. George Hodel, he would never do anything like that, you know? Yeah. Um, he's too high society. But like I said in the beginning of this interview, I think the smarter you are, sometimes the crazier you are. I believe that. Right? Overall, he was never, never been proven to be the murderer, but almost everything points at him to be the black Dahlia murderer. Well, and maybe you know, some more murders. Well, see, that's the thing. So there was audio, um, recorded audio cause his house was bugged. Okay. And the court trial was done and completed and George was acquitted of any possible charges. And there was audio coming from the DA calling George and saying, okay, George, now that this case is done and and you're acquitted, we think it would be a good idea that you skip out of town for a while. Mm. And this is verbatim from the DA. Yeah. So he did. He moved on. He moved to the Orient of all places, Philippines and some other parts of Asia, but mostly the Philippines for a good 45 years, I think it was. Wow where he had more practices as well as my uncle said, he's actually followed a trail of once again, found murdered women. So let's, let's talk about your uncle for a second. Then we'll talk about this, but it's yeah. kind of important to talk about your uncle. So your uncle was a LAPD detective. Correct. A murder detective. He was an LAPD detective. Homicide, I guess. Homicide. Yep. Homicide detective. And of course he worked a million cases. Right. And he never worked George's case. And he only kind of like when he got the box from the widow of some belongings is when he, uh, his detective, old detective mind kicked in and said, wait a minute, I'm going to look into this. Wow. Yeah. So what does he believe his father did? He believes his father is the Black Dahlia murderer, 100%. Does he think there's other murders involved too? And he thinks that he's done other murders within majority of the West Coast, all of them being women and fairly younger. 
as wow. well as in the Orient. Oh, wow, insane. And and the story is told. The reason why he he uh, has this hatred towards women is his college professor and him had a relationship. Okay. And he was young. She got pregnant. Mm. She wanted to keep the baby, but wanted nothing to do with him. He said, hey, I want to help raise this child. It's my child. And she said, no, you're, in, in my words. Yeah. She said, no, you're just a little boy. You're too young. And she basically left the school and moved away and had the baby on her, her own. So I think because of his brain, how it was wired, that it really messed with him to uh, to kind of hate some women or have some type of drive in him to hurt women because he was hurt. Yeah. And he went the deep route, you know? He went the dark route. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the story that I've heard since I was very young over and over and over again. So I've heard it so much and the story has never changed that usually when you tell a lie long enough, it does change. Yes. It never did change, so I kind of have a feeling that, you know, that's how the story went down. Wow. Okay. Wow, so, right? But that guy, George, your grandfather, left Aftermath, affected you directly, even though you never met the guy. We were left with Aftermath from, your mother. from our grandfather, even though we never met him, because the years of... I don't know what to put first, either the nurturing or the torturing, but the, the nurture torture that our mom experienced created a dark side of our mom who did some quite dark things that parents should never do to their children or put their children in possible harm's way, all for the benefit of, I don't know, some type of feeling of like, I don't even know what the feeling would be if somebody put their, their, their child in harm's way, but there was something, there was some type of gain that our mom wanted mm -hmm. when we were put up into really per, uh, precarious situations, the same as her father, because her father did heinous crimes. He did heinous things towards women and let alone our mom, but he got something out of it. He got some high, right? Okay. So I think my mom had some of that within her as well. Um, luckily we were never tortured in that aspect, so mm -hmm. to speak, as, as some poor victims were and, and our mom alone, but our, our, one of our sisters, uh, her name's Debbie, but we call her Fauna two, mm -hmm. which is a long story. There's Fauna one and Fauna two in our, in our ring of yes. family, but she had some really bad things done to her and from my mom and from mom's acquaintances, which included drugs as well as unnecessary touching of a younger girl and also uh, sexual encounters that shouldn't happen at such a young age. Right. So it was basically like mom was a little bit of a Frankenstein character, you know, one side of her had this, this nurtured side of possible loving and caring what she did she had a lot of love and care towards her family and her kids but then she had this frankenstein side that came out and just lashed out and was violent and it was angry and was vulgar almost i guess you could call that a bit of schizophrenia you know a couple personalities wow 
Fauna 2, you can find a lot more, a deeper dive into your history, your family history through this podcast, The Root of Evil, right? Yeah, I don't know if you've heard it, but the, the podcast, The Root I've of Evil, is, uh, is pretty damn good detail and, and heartfelt communication with myself and my brothers and my sisters and uncles and a couple other random people. Um, I still think it was done like Hollywood. I think they, you know, gave it a little bit of a Hollywood splice and my nieces who narrated it, whom they never told us that they were going to narrate it. They just said, Hey, can you do a follow up podcast to the movie? I am the night. These guys really want to do it. They want to see a little bit more in depth or hear a little more in depth and, and truth behind the Hodel family, not the slightly fictionalized and sensationalized movie mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so we're like yeah of course that's we'd like to tell the truth little did i know or little did my family know that they were actually hired to be the narration of this podcast and we never signed up for that because those guys my nieces sorry but they were doing it for yeah, they wanted to do it for their their mom who passed away, but they were also doing it for themselves. The the, the glamour and the flashlights and and the, the the cameras that came after the movie when it came out, which was I Am the Night, kind of just overwhelmed and took over the world and they were just falling and we all seem and it's just not me thinking like this. My whole Hodel family is like, hey, the girls seem like they're so into this Hollywood freaking jazz they're getting right now, mm -hmm. all this attention, they want to move forward with it. And that's what they did. They moved forward with it. And the narration was, you know, it had his, it's a eerie, you know, truthful, uh, uh, a narration, but also they had giddiness about it. And they were trying, trying too hard to be, to put themselves into the actual true Hodel family where they never were born a Hodel. Both of my nieces were born separate, separate fathers, not a Hodel. They weren't raised under the crazy roof of our mom. They never endured the nonstop craziness from what our grandfather, you know, poured into our mom. So it's basically, it was one, you know, mom was George and herself. We were pretty disappointed about the girls doing the whole narration thing, but it was too late. We already did it, you know. At, yeah. Once the, the podcast came out, you know, we heard, oh, and narration's coming from Rasha and Yvette. We're, and we were blown away. Like, what? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you have one of, like, the actual family closest members to yes, that? I agree with you. Do it. Right. Because they're kind of outsiders, in my opinion. I – we considered – Yeah. Uh, if they, if anyone hears this, if they hear this, and tough titty said the kitty. I could really care less because they have lost the 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 trust from the actual Hodel family. All of them, my both of my uncles, one of my sisters, and both of my brothers are blown away on how they handled it and the stories they told and the talk shows they went on, and you could see them just too happy and smiling, and and, and it's not a happy thing. To smile about it's a really intriguing story to talk about. I tell you that it's super intriguing, but it's also it's this is real life. This is your life. This is your mother's life. This shit happened. Thank you. This shit happened. It is <laughs> our life. It wasn't their life. Right. They heard stories. You know, 
they heard a little bit of stories and, oh, their mom could be the one who's related to George and she was given up for adoption and she was raised by a really, uh, uh, in a crazy situation in Las Vegas, not knowing her mom. Yeah. I get, I get She has her own sad story, but it's not nearly what you guys endured or your mother. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. On that note about, you know, the stuff we went through and even just the mental things we went through from our mom. I still think personally, I thought she was one hell of a parent. You know, she raised three kids who all have love for their family that they've created Mm -hmm. and good friendships. The umbilical cord of that craziness was cut, you know, luckily my brother's peace and joy. Those are my two brothers. They didn't have any attachments far as like uh, psychopath attachments, you know? Yeah. So that cord was cut, which is a good thing. Yeah. They're normal or as normal as can be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. Myself and them probably have some type of PTSD of some sort that we don't know about. Yeah, of course. You know, that maybe some specialist of some sort could dig out of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, heck yeah. Good. We're all doing great. We're, you know, all pretty normal. We've seen so much and heard so much that, and of course said, hey, we're never going to be like that or do that. Yeah. Which only made us stronger. So we're all strong. We're all good. You being the youngest of all of the family, right? Mm-hmm. Did you go through the same as your, your brothers and your sister? Or did they have um, a different kind of upbringing? Eh. Well, my brothers had... They had some of the bullshit that came from Tamar, my mom. Mm -hmm. You know, they got a lot more physical abuse. If we screwed up, physical abuse came. If you didn't screw up, verbal abuse showed up. Like, mom just was, and like I said, she was like Frankenstein. She was in and out. You never knew what you were going to get. You never knew what you were going to get for the most part. You just didn't want to cross her path because, like I said, that anger side would come out. And I, I get it. I understand. I have sympathy because I know what she went through. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, she was a 14-year-old girl up until the day she died at almost 80. So wow, I get it. I understand that. She wasn't able to shake it. It was such hard trauma to her mentally and physically That she never ran away from it. You know, it kind of came with her wherever she went. My brothers, on the other hand, and even my sister, you know, they're like, everybody has a choice in life. And I agree with that. Everybody does have a choice in life. But if you're that mentally warped or have, you know, a dark, dark skeletons deep in the closet, sometimes you just can't break away from it. So I have sympathy for it, like I said. So, yeah, joy and peace and fauna too got a hell of a lot more physical abuse than I did. Mm-hmm. They left the nest earlier than me. So you're there longer. So I was there longer and I was there longer in the long run with financial support. When I had got in a, a surfing career, I was making decent money. I was actually just giving my mom money nonstop every month and helping paying for bills and rents and et cetera, et cetera, just because she never had that. And then I got it. Okay. I crawled the ladder and I worked my ass off to get there and I, I, I got there. So I was re- really happy to help out my mom. Okay. Who knows what she did with that money? <laughs> <laughs> it did help pay for rent and all that jazz. I'm sure. Yeah. I just got more of the mental, the, the mental chessboard abuse. 
Mm-hmm. You know, she used me as a pawn in many ways, shapes, and forms. I knew what she was doing the whole time, but I just was so tired of how my mom liked to argue and battle you so hard that I just kind of grinned and swallowed it and, and helped her along the way. Okay. Until just I because you it. knew she wasn't 100% well. Oh, until, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I knew she wasn't 100% well. And it's almost like I had to lie to myself and lie to her just to make her feel good with herself that I understood where she was at and I agree with her. Okay. That, I, was li- that, I was lying. I was lying to myself, you know? Yeah. And I was, so, yeah. And I was lying to her and I was lying to her that, I, I, that, you know, I, I get it. I'm there for you. I understand what you're saying just to basically shut her up, mm-hmm. you know? What kind um, of stories would she tell you? Like, do you remember? Any? Oh my God. Yeah. My mom would tell us about all the stories, you know, besides going through her whole wild life with her grandfather being, uh, who he was and the murderer and, um, basically a child molester, you know, what do you, what do you, yeah. I, what's another word for child molestation? Incest. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. But besides that, she also has a flip side story to her life where, she, you know, bumped shoulders with some really prominent people growing up. She owned one of the most bohemian-minded nightclubs in the era in in San Francisco called the Hungry Eye, with her husband Stan Wilson. He was a, a amazing guitarist and musician. Okay. And you know, they owned it during a time of when the, the famous, controversial comedian Lenny Bruce um, started his career. At wow. the Hungry Eye. Amazing, outspoken poetry and singers of, like, say, like Maya Angelou mm. um, started there. Uh, Mamas and Papas started playing there, which brings me to the, to the story of my mom uh, befriending young Michelle Phillips and kind of guiding young Michelle Phillips along to get music lessons, singing lessons, as well as modeling. And then Michelle sooner or later became one of the mamas and papas. Wow. Yeah. Really, really cool. So whole psychedelic San Francisco time, right? The oh man. Kind of thing. Yeah. She bounced back from SF to LA down to Mexico, back up. She was, you know, all over the shop. She was just, was she a hippie? She was a flower child. She hates yeah. hippie. Okay. She hated that word hippie. And some people, even Michelle Phillips, who, mm-hmm. You know, they were friends all the way up till she passed. She said, you know what? I think your mom was actually the first flower child in the nation. Wow. Like there's, <laughs> she like, started a mom, movement. I think your mom started a movement. Yeah. That, That's interesting. That, isn't that wild? To yeah. Kind of just move forward. Yeah. So, but I don't know, you know, how, tr- what truth there is to that, but that's how somebody like her talked about my mom. Wow. And she was around a lot of other famous artists and mm-hmm. musicians and stars. And and on the dark side of that, I believe she was also helping these people during that time, which is what the 50s and 60s, get, uh, get marijuana, get weed, get LSD. She was best friends with Timothy Leary. She would deliver LSD for Timothy Leary. Wow. She would go to door to door, knock on doors and go, here you go. Here's your LSD. Wow. It was just like, we, the times of it's fun. Let's have fun. You know? Yeah. And that could have been a, a way for her to escape mentally. Yeah, 100%, that's what I'm thinking too. Yeah. So that was her escape from her horrible childhood. 
but she wasn't really escaping. She was carrying that baggage along with her, and then yeah. it was coming out in different ways. Yeah, she was buried. Yeah, just yeah. It was. It was definitely buried in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. She tried to revisit it, and then she wouldn't because it would hurt too much. And then she would go into freaking UFO world. You know, our brothers and sisters from another planet—they're going to come save us. <laughs> It just went on and on okay. and on. You know, so many, so many different avenues where mom went. The very first episode we did with you, like months ago, yeah. surfing kind of saved you. So that was good. That was your escape in your family. That was. That was my escape. My brothers took off to school and I took off to the ocean. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, your family history and people can go back. I mean, you can Google and there's a lot of, I mean, he's a whole Wikipedia page. Do you know that? My grandfather. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could Google, you know, Doctor George Hodel, and you can type in Tamar Hodel. Yeah, with Hodel, and it's a deep dive. It's a deep, deep dive, and there's so many different articles out there, and there's like information that I periodically look for on the internet. Oh, I'm gonna type this in today. Boom, something pops up. What I didn't know about that about my mom. Wow, you know, stories that I missed or stories that I was too young. When I was listening, that I wasn't really comprehending and registering, mm-hmm. I just kind of let it go. Do you like to know more and more about this, or do you wish it would just go away? I want to know more about that. I want to know more about the possible true stories of Tamar Hodel and who she was and what she did and where she went, all because there's still is no matter what, there's like this negative cloud around Tamar Hodel, like. She was bad. She was naughty. You know what? It's not her fault. It's not her fault that she was screwed up. No. It's someone else's fault for fucking her up. Yeah. I would never wish torture upon anybody, but I think I would wish torture upon somebody like George Hodel all the way to their last breath. Because that's what my mom went through. Right. You know, and somebody might say, turn the other cheek, love, just let it be, you know? And mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would, but she didn't get the chance to turn the other cheek. She didn't, there was, she was stuck in a dark world because of what he created. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is this murder happened, I don't know, <clears throat> 70 years ago, maybe 80 years ago. It's been a long time. 80 years ago. 80 years ago. Yeah, and it's it doesn't seem like it's going away. I mean, this is going to be in history for hundreds of years, probably. It's like Jack the Ripper type of stuff. It is. It's yes, that's a it good is. comparison. I like that. My uncle, after doing all his research and writing uh, nonfiction books, mm-hmm. you know, he's on to like three or four books already. He has some conclusion that there's a possibility that George might have been the actual famous Zodiac killer. What? I know, right? Uh, okay, so was the Zodiac ever caught? I thought he was. I don't know. But does know. it mean they didn't do an innocent guy or something? I don't know. So Exactly. Our government's so screwed up, and it's clear as day that our LAPD, as well as the district attorney of LA, was so corrupt that mm-hmm. they actually got George off. It's a good possibility. I mean, I mean George owned... All the underground abortion and VD clinics along the West Coast. Yeah, so he was the head doctor of Los Angeles venereal disease I, or something, right? Like, yes, 
But Health back services? then it was illegal to have abortions. Okay. Who do you think they would go to to get these illegal abortions when mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. a superstar or a movie star or actress slept with somebody and then that person got pregnant or that person got a, a, a STD? Wow. Who'd they go to to help get rid of it? George Hodel. Mm-hmm. So then he had shit and juice on them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And vice versa. I mean, he had actresses, uh, people in the police department, like I said, district attorneys, probably maybe even a GA, you know, general attorney. You never know. You could have had other politicians. You could have had prominent, wealthy people who, you know, started the Colorado freaking river blowing the water into the West Coast. It's just a deep, deep dive. So many layers. So many layers and it'll never end. That's what I'm thinking. It's never going to end. Oh, it could go for hundreds of years, you know? Yeah, man. One of the uh, uh, things that I take away from this whole, you know, movie and podcast and information coming out and talking about George Hodel, Tamar, and, and the people being killed, that is one family and that is one psychopath, George Hodel, in a world of close to 8 billion people. Okay. There has to be more George Hodels out there, and there has to be more George Hodels in high places of office, so to speak, or very well-off, extremely one percenter wealthy people. There has to be. Powerful, powerful people. Powerful people. Yeah. And those, it's a no-brainer that they're out there, and if those people are kind of like get to pull the strings with today's society— Mm. who knows what's going on behind closed doors and you hear stories right Mm. you hear social media stories and the news saying conspiracy theories and all that jazz just do a little bit of math and it's pretty clear that there's a lot more of them out there and i think the world needs to be aware of that and i think families need to be aware of predators out there and so i think this type of information getting out to the public is important because a, I believe they need to be more vigilant and aware of possible predators who are around them, you know? Okay. Fair enough. That's my take on That's my part of my take on it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I mean, let me ask you this. What does your immediate family think about this? How much does your son know? And what, and your, what does your wife think about all this? What are their thoughts? Do you know? My my wife feels and, and and her thoughts are exactly the same as mine. Okay. Um, well, you're married. Yeah, we're married. <laughs> <You're> married. But, <laughs> but she also is just blown away by it. Like it's still like everybody. Fascinating. It's crazy. Yeah. We've been together for 23 years, and it's still fascinating. Yes. And our kid is very aware. I haven't told him all the details. Yeah. I sugarcoat the details. Mm-hmm even though I'm sure he's quite aware, but we're just not painting a picture for him yeah. or creating a video. We're just giving him a little bit of smudged information. But he's getting older. He's 14. He knows what's up. He's yeah, not an okay. idiot. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he, he's the same, and he he feels kind of the same about, about how we do. Like, fucking George, you, you, you messed. You destroyed a woman's life be, because of your, your ego, mm. you know, and your psychosis. Yeah. Uh, my brothers, my, my brothers and sisters, they, you know, they're kind of on the fence with that. They're like, 
one toe in of like we hate mom, one toe in of like she got abused, but we didn't deserve to get treated the way we were treated. Nobody does deserve to get treated shitty, including my mom, right? Mm -hmm. Um, If she could take it all back, she would. Yeah. But, you know, once something is done and once you treat somebody, you know, how you shouldn't, it's kind of too late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, like once again, it's just, it's such a fascinating story. So thank you so much for opening up on that, man. I mean, yeah, absolutely. There's a, I mean, there's so many avenues to the story. And with this said, the stuff you see in, in articles online, because everything's online now, right? Yeah, it's there. Everything it's there. everything you see in the interweb, in my personal thoughts, is all sugar-coated. It's not deep truth, because they, don't they always say, you know, the truth will hurt you? Mm-hmm. I believe people don't want to hear the truth because they don't want to live. They don't want to, they don't want to hear something so real. It's scary. It really is. Yeah, but it's, I agree it is, but it's life. I'm intrigued by all of it. And probably because of everything we heard our whole life, I'm really intrigued by crazy shit. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Your uncle Steve, that's written the books. Have you read his books? I've read two of them. What's his whole take on this? I mean, I didn't actually read the book, so I should, guess I should buy them. They're good. They're detailed with his kind of really, really in-depth, detailed detective work. Is it written like a cop wrote it, or is it like there's a story to it? Mm, a little bit of a story, you know, especially in the beginning, you know, talking about his father and okay. the house he grew up in and his half-sister. He always says half-sister. Which bothers me. I love him, but it bothers me because he grew up with her, you know, for quite a few years. It's your blood relation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your sister, but he always emphasizes the word half-sister, my half-sister. And Why do you think he does that? I don't know. My brothers are all half. None of us are, have the same dad and my sisters. Yeah. We have five total siblings all of them from different dads. I don't ever say, oh, my half-sister or my half-brother. Good point. It is what it is, bro. I freaking just say it. So I, I think that's a little bit of a way to create a wedge or separation. Like, yeah. I don't want to be Distance. affiliated with her because yeah. she's crazy. But you know what? She actually wasn't that crazy. She actually wasn't that crazy because in the beginning when she started speaking and telling the truth – Everything she was saying was true. Yeah, she was just painted as crazy, and she was telling the truth. Newspapers can do so much. The media controls a lot of our emotions. Everything, our, our thoughts, the way we think. Yeah, so not mine, but I'm grateful for that. <laughs> so grateful. If anything, it makes me just want to vet that information even more. Wow, love is crazy, but um, you're good. I, I won't say normal. I don't know if anybody's ever normal, to be honest with you. We're all- what is normal? We're all different, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Good. Um, yeah. Fortunate came from quite a very poor, poor life. Mom was on welfare her whole life. There was like four of us who grew up together, me, my mom and my two brothers, peace and joy in a studio that was 500 square feet. Wow. And she was on every government assistance possible. Mm-hmm. And here I am owning some crazy piece of land. Cool. You know, over but eight you worked and a half. Worked ass off. Yeah, absolutely. 
So um, good for you. But it's, a, it's, yeah, it's a blessing. It's really, really, I feel fortunate and you can come out of any situation. If you really put your head down, mm-hmm. we weren't as mentally and physically abused as our mom. Mm-hmm. That's a different realm, you yeah. know? Yep. But yeah, I mean, if you're not over tortured, I guess you could come out of anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you guys all came out good, but uh, I'm going to change the subject for a minute. So. Yeah. Yeah. Fire. So we, we we covered everything on that, right? We're good? Pretty much have, yeah. I've yeah. actually been dabbling into writing myself. Really? really? Let's hear about that. Yeah. I've been dabbling into writing a script in specific for, you know, the big screen, the big movie picture, motion picture. Okay, cool. I'm kind of excited. <laughs> I want to tell the story of Tamar Hodel. Not necessarily. Of course, I'm going to bring in, you know, how she was raised and hurt by Dr. George Hodel, which created the story, which I want to tell. Mm-hmm. I have been trying to create it with a little bit more of that Frankenstein feel where, you know, one minute she's trying to reach out for a butterfly thinking it's so beautiful. And you remember that old Gene Wilder Frankenstein movie? I saw it years way, ago. Yeah. A way black and white one, way back. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I know what you're talking Frankenstein, about. Frankenstein, you know, was out in the loose and apparently murdering and hurting people and right, destroying property. Right, but a property. butterfly comes and he's butterfly comes as gentle as like, oh. can be. Exactly. So that's kind of like the way my approach is about telling the story of her, you know, some of her wild side, her fun side. But And then, of course, at the end of the day, I just – Love can come out of everything. And at the end of the day, yeah, love did come out of it. She had a son named Love. Yeah, peace, love, and joy. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, there is the brighter side to a lot. I want to show all the wild rides that she talked about for so many years. That's cool. I mean, there's so much detail that would take a lifetime to explain in front of her, you know, on a podcast. Yeah. Let me ask you a couple of questions about the screenplay, I guess. It's a screenplay, right? I have it. Yeah, I'm using because I, I don't know how to write. That was my I, first question. <laughs> no, I don't know how to freaking write. But then now that this whole new AI thing is coming out. Oh, yeah. I type in my thoughts and I'm going, I'm doing all time pieces. Mm-hmm. And it's spitting it out for me in screenplay format, script. And then so I'm, having to, I'm having to go in and give my words. It's just giving me an outline. And, it's getting you 80% and, there maybe? I'm fixing like 90% of the verbiage. Okay. And also some of the way mom would speak and her, the, anybody she, she was in the scene speaking to her. I'm changing that up as much as I can because it's still AI. and It's never going to get that shit right, but it's going to give me the platform. Okay. So I've been doing that and I have a really, really dear friend who's a well-known actor who wants to direct and, and write now kind of doesn't want to be in front of the camera that much. He's like, love, let this be my baby. I want this to be my baby. Oh, cool. Let me work with you on this. He That's has so all cool. the right connections and all the right people to put it down in front of. And he's just like me. He is intrigued by dark, mysterious, screwed up stories. Mm. So once he overheard me talking about this, he kind of butted in my conversation I was having with somebody. He's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And then I said, oh, we're talking about, you know, George Hodel, who was my grandfather. He's like, George Hodel was your grandfather? You're No, that's not true. And then ever since then, our relationship kind of budded and we spent hours upon hours 
talking at his house and, and trying to write things together. And then COVID hit. And then that kind of put a halt on getting together. And also our minds weren't there. So that took a break, but it's rekindling and we're going again. Are you getting all the stories from your head, what your mom's told you and what you remember? Or are you going to your brothers and also getting some of their stories they heard? All all the above. I ask joy questions. I ask peace questions. I ask my sister, Fauna, two questions. But all those questions that I ask are all out there in the interweb. Okay. Just in a little bit more of a fictionalized form. So I I just basically have a little sand filter sifter and I put a bunch of stuff in there and I shake it. And so all the truth and good stuff and gritty stuff is on top, and I use that. Okay. Yeah, because there's a lot of bullshit out there. There's a lot of horrible writers who have written story after story after story of Tamar Hodel, of George Hodel, of the whole story. And everybody has their opinion, but they never lived the life. So I'm sharing the live the life version. Yes, and that's pretty important, I think. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it is good? that so many different people are in different perspectives and even if it's fiction is that good to keep the story alive or is it bad i think any dialogue is good dialogue you know good press and bad press is press right there you go (laughs) yeah so i think it keeps it alive and it keeps it probably helps keep the mind intrigued to continue telling a story in different ways, but not lying, but just telling it in different ways to keep the intrigue going. Yeah. 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 I'm fine with it. Dude, I'm stoked to write in a screenplay. That's going to be awesome. Uh, you got to come back on and when, when, when we're ready to rock and roll on that thing. Right. Yeah. And, you know, if it comes to fruition in the big way and the big screen. Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, I think it'd be really, really cool. And, if it were to, and there would be some type of financial gain from it, I can't wait to go to my sister who kind of just always had it hard forever to go, hey, let me help you out. And just, yeah. You know, financially help out and help out my other brother, peace. Joy's fine. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. We do well. We're happy. Yeah. Cool. So help out some of the family members if, if possible, if that were to come to fruition. But just more importantly, telling the story telling the true story from a mind of what such as myself that is giving understanding and information along with having a sympathetic mind and not just closing the door and being like, no, that person's bad. Um, they did bad. I'm seeing it the, in both ways, not one. And I want to tell the story that way. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. All right, let's bring it. Let's we're gonna wrap this up, but I want to know, uh, how have the ways been and stuff over there in North Shore? Hey. It's been fun. It's kind of a slow fall, to tell you the truth. You oh, guys really? have been okay. kind of slow over there as well. A lot of clean days, but really jumbled up, bouncy, and bumpy. Okay. Like Kind of like storms have been kind of close, so therefore it's created a really, really just messed up line on the waves, yeah, yeah, yeah. even though there's been no wind, you know? But yeah, no, no crazy, great, mind-blowing start. Just fun. Just And it's hot as hell. One of the hottest seasons I can remember in at least 20 years. Okay. Is that good or bad? Yeah. Just warm. It's like last night was Halloween. It didn't feel like Halloween because it's so hot. Uh, is that a bummer? Kind of yeah, lost the vibe kinda. a little. How yeah, was Halloween last night? It was nuts. Sunset Point was crazy. That's there was fine. probably an average of 5,000 people walking throughout the neighborhood. Oh, wow, cool. 
a lot of good outfits and just stoke kids running around and yeah, good time. All right, everybody. This is Mike and love. And thanks again, love for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You got it done. (laughs) Happy. What a fantastic sunny day. Boys and girls hanging around. Surfers going up and down. That's when I cut my wave. Knew what to do. Surf that wave right to the shore. And it's dreams come true. Sunny day, boys and girls hanging around, surfers going up and down. When I caught my way, knew what to do. Surf that way right to the shore. Yes, my dream came true. Excellent, you guys. Thank you. Hey, you guys, Endless Summer box set. This thing is legit. It's authentic, numbered certificate in it. It has a five-frame film strip from the original print. You will literally own a piece of history. It has a specially minted bronze medallion. Dude, that thing's sick. Okay, there's so much more here. Go to the show notes. There's a link on there. Go check this piece of history out. This thing's rad. Seriously. Smithsonian American History Museum has it. It took four years of research with 3.5 in production. All hand assembled. This thing's rad. So much to this awesome box set. Remastered DVD. Sharper images than the original film. But dude, this thing's so sick. Link in the show notes.